0: Here we are back at it again, back at the Replant Boot Camp. Bob, I hope you're ready for the next episode, another seminary edition here in the fancy recording studio with our sound engineer, Adam Covington.
1: Yeah, it's great to have Adam. And Jimbo, uh, I think I have an announcement to make.
0: Yeah, I mean it's a big day for Bob, guys. It's a big day. We got to class, and on the sign outside, it said, "Welcome to Church Revitalization." Doctor Stewart and Doctor Bickford. Yes. And but here's the deal, Bob. It had the Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary logo (laughs) on it, so I think I think you just received your honorary
1: doctorate. I think so. But I've been told that Southwestern doesn't do those. Yeah. Well, look, you
0: know, I beg to differ because ask HR, Doctor Bickford. It's I think it's the I think you just take that. Off the door, put, a, put it into a get a whole like Southwestern diploma frame and put that in the frame.
1: Yeah, I think that should work. But actually, probably some intern somewhere printed that off. And, uh, but anyway, <laughs> hey, it's, it's been a blast to be here at Southwestern. And I'm so excited about, about just the, the past couple of days that we've spent with the D men students and church revitalization and replanting. And I'm super excited about our guest today, Dr. Yeah. Matt Queen.
0: Dr. McQueen went from the chair on fire to the hair on fire as, as, as he switched to, to temporary provost or permanent provost. And I think today you became the president. Uh, something like that happened? Well,
2: the, the president is not here today, so I'm, I'm trying to make sure that anything that he would be needed for, that I'm, I'm filling that role. So
0: oh, It sounds like you just handle whatever the seminary needs. Yes, sir.
1: Uh, I love this school. Yeah. So we were having this conversation. Now, Jimbo and I are teaching in the academy, but we have to confess, we had this conversation, I think, as we were walking down the hall towards your office we were saying, what exactly does a provost do?
0: Yeah, that's a title I've heard a lot. And I know that it kind of means you're in charge of something. But what exactly, what, what is a provost?
2: Yeah, so the a provost, especially in a Southern Baptist Seminary context, is the chief academic officer of the institution. Here, I'm also vice president of academic administration. So it's my responsibility with our accreditation agencies to make sure that what we say we're doing in the classroom, we're doing, mm-hmm. that we're meeting our student learning outcomes. And also, it's just a way for me, I feel like, to be a a pastor to the faculty. You know, They're being pastors to the students, and and they still have their issues, like we all have our issues, and they've got their churches, they've got their own pastor, so we're not taking the place of a pastor or church, but just in the work context to be a minister to the faculty and make sure I'm being a big advocate for them.
0: So if they're pastors to students and you're the pastor to them, does that make you the bishop? And if so... (laughs) Does that make you
2: Bishop Queen? (laughs) No. If if it worked that way, yes, but we're
1: Baptists. (laughs) Hey, I am super excited to be here with you today because you just released a book. Yeah. And tell us the title of the book and give us, man, what what was the heart behind it?
2: Yes, I just released a book, came out January 5th with Braumann Holman Academic, and it's called Recapturing Evangelism, a Biblical Theological Approach. So our President Dr. Dockery was a real big advocate when he was in the role of interim provost to have me be able to go on sabbatical. So I was on a sabbatical for a year, and what that means is you, you don't do any teaching or you do some agreed upon teaching, but you're mainly focusing on writing. And so I did. I worked on three books. One of the first of well, the first of which, and the largest of which, was Recapturing Evangelism, which is my basic evangelism. We call it Contemporary Evangelism here. My textbook. I also worked on with O.S. Hawkins. If you've heard of him before. We worked on a book with Thomas Nelson called The Gospel Invitation, and we also are finishing one title with Shane Pruitt, who's with the North American Mission Board, called Evangelism Matters, which a lot of the evangelism division with NAM, Catherine Renfro, J.J. Washington, Tim Dowdy, all those guys are a part of it with some some seminary professors and some pastors. So that, that's kind of what I was doing, but my, my passion behind recapturing evangelism was to try to provide four seminaries, divinity schools, colleges, an evangelism textbook that A lot of times when we think about evangelism, we think of here's the how-to, and it's real practical, and it's really, you know, pragmatic, you know, do it this way, Mm -hmm. like we do in evangelism, you know, memorize this presentation of the gospel. Mm -hmm. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to give a type of evangelism text that was really based on the examples we see of evangelism in the scriptures, Mm. and then be able to contextualize those to a 21st century context. So that was kind of the heart behind it, and I'm looking forward to being able to teach it for the first semester this spring.
0: That's awesome. Definitely, if you're a SWIBIT student, you should sign up to be part of that class. As a listener, you should register, get that book. Evangelism, it seems, has become a lot more difficult in our country over the last couple of decades. What do you think is contributing to not only the decline in evangelism efforts, but perhaps the decline in evangelism—perceived, at least—evangelism effectiveness?
2: Yeah, that, that you know, that's a really good good question. I think a lot of it is um, self-inflicted in some ways in the churches, and what I what I mean by that is Southern Baptists have always been known as the evangelism people. You know, the the people, the largest you know evangelical or Protestant denomination that's there. And I think w- though what we see in the churches is three kinds of people. There are Southern Baptists that are for evangelism. I mean, they're all for as long as somebody else does it.
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah, They're, they're just going to sit in the amen corner. That's
2: right. There's another group of people. They're, they're just as gung-ho. I mean, they are full-throated supporting evangelism as long as they don't have to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's people, a the small group, that are for evangelism and actually do it. And so I think, you know, what I talk about in this book, one of the things is there's a lot of good things that we do, we ought to do as Christians, that we confuse as evangelism. One example, inviting people to church. Mm-hmm. Should we do that? Yes. Is it a good thing to do? Yes. Will people come if they're not invited? No, they won't. We ought to do that, but sometimes we conflate inviting to church to sharing Christ and calling for a response, you know, Mm -hmm. and so I think some of it relates to misconceptions. People are thinking they're doing the right thing, good thing, you know, maybe having an event at your church, maybe having a, you know, some kind of a big dinner and a presentation or a movie or whatever, and you have people who are unchurched, who are coming, you've never seen, they've never been to your church before, and you say, man, we did evangelism, but if you didn't share the gospel, you had a good event. I mean, it's good to serve the community, but the gospel was not shared, so it wasn't fully evangelism. So I think misconception of of some of it. And then what I also try to talk about in the book is to talk about establishing evangelistic rhythms or patterns. Mm you know, those who fail to plan time to evangelize will fail to find time to evangelize because mm-hmm. we're all busy. Mm-hmm. If yeah. we don't put it in our account... Now, again, it doesn't mean you have to put it in to go door knocking. I mean, you can do that. That's one way to do it. But if we don't intentionally plan on doing it, it just won't happen. Same thing, and it's with all the spiritual disciplines. Same thing with reading your Bible, same your quiet time, praying, you know, other things. So with the, the nature of disciplines are we have to make make time for them and plan time for them. And I I just don't know if if we're seeing a lot of that today. And then I think the last thing is many times in our churches, we celebrate when new disciples are made and baptized and we should. Mm -hmm. But I think what has happened is somehow our people have been conditioned to believe that that's the win that that's the success mm. when someone is made a disciple and, and baptized. And by the way, that is the aim. That is the aim. That's why we do it, the Great Commission. But success in evangelism is doing it. The only failure in evangelism is A failure to evangelize. And so I think, you know, some of the things that I see with Tim Dowdy and J.J. Washington, some of the things that I'm working on with them and uh, the Southern Baptist Texas Convention on a a new Hoosier One kind of 2.0 kind of a thing, is what we're going to do is try to talk about how pastors can celebrate the disciples being made, baptisms, but also celebrating the fact that the gospel was shared. So, I think I think what we need to do is to find success in actually doing evangelism
1: and not defeating ourselves if you know we get a lot of rejection because we will. Mm-hmm. Could we take a just a moment or two and kind of unpack that practically if i'm if I'm looking at my week, my day, my week, my month, and I want to become intentional about evangelism, Help me understand how I might take some steps to begin to be intentional.
2: That, that's, that's a great question. So there's there's two ways that just come off the top of my head. One of those ways is, is to be kind of quantitative and say, okay, I'm going to share the. You, you make a decision in your quiet time with the Lord. I'm going to share the gospel once a day or once a week or once every other week, or once, you know, whatever that is, I'm, you know, I'm not establishing what that pattern is, but you're doing it, quanti- there's a number assigned to it, and then you put it into your calendar, and then you go with someone, or you go on your own, or you, you, know, you find some way to share the gospel. That's one way to do it, is to plan it in that way. The other way that I think will, will be a little bit more helpful is to identify what is an opportunity to share the gospel. Hmm. I believe I've I'm in churches all over the nation every weekend almost and I go and I say how many of you if God gave you the opportunity to share the gospel today you would do it if not every hand almost every hand comes up and then I say okay what is an opportunity to share the gospel. And they kind of look at me and I said, I already know what you think. You think you're walking down the street, all of a sudden, the light of heaven shines down, there's a choir in the <laughs> background, someone stupefied comes up and says, What must I do to be saved? You know, yeah. that's what they mean by that. You know, yeah. I'll do it if I get that. I'm not saying that can't happen. I mean, we, we did have, you know, Damascus Road, but that likely is not going to happen. Right. So God is working with opportunities, so identifying those things to get to the gospel. So, for example, one way you can do it is if you come across someone, you know, establishing in your mind with God. OK, for me, if I come into contact with someone who has a cross, either on his or her shirt, jewelry, a tattoo or whatever, I want to see that. Anytime, God, you bring someone like that into my life, I'm going to ask the question, what does that cross mean to you? I'm going to say, I like that cross. What does it mean to you? Mm-hmm. You're going to see where they are mm-hmm. on the cross issue. Mm-hmm. And then simply you're going to be able to return and say what? I want to share with you what the cross means yeah. and share the gospel, you know. So it's it's seeing these areas. And, you know, another rhythm like that is to say, okay, God, whenever I have to take public transportation, you know, a plane, a train, an automobile, you know, Uber or what Lyft or whatever, I'm going to share the gospel with the person beside me or the person who's driving. You know, I'm going to attempt to share. Now, we're not going to force it down their throats, mm-hmm. but we're going to attempt to share. My favorite one, though, is when I when I feel led of the Spirit to find somebody, is to use a catchphrase. I've got two that I like to use a lot, but the one that i really love is when I just go and I say, Hey, have you heard any good news today? Most people say no. Mm -hmm. I did have one lady, her name was Elizabeth in Atlanta, and I was checking into a hotel one time and I said, Have you heard any good news today, Elizabeth? She goes, Yep. And I was I threw me off because usually I hear no. (laughs) And I said, Well what's the good news? And she said, You've got air conditioning in your room. And I said, now that's good news. (laughs) That is good news. (laughs) That is great news. That's good news. (laughs) But I've got better news. And so I was able to share the gospel. So finding those small, real simple ways to get into the gospel, or to find yourself in situations to get into the gospel. You know, at holidays, asking somebody, hey, you ready for Christmas? What does Christmas mean to you? I want to share what Christmas means. You're not saying to me. You don't want to make it a me versus you, what Christmas means. Mm -hmm. So something like that, I think those are some ways to get some good evangelism rhythms.
0: I appreciate the distinction of not saying this is what Christmas means to me or this is what the cross means to me, but here's what it means means definitively. Mm -hmm. I also appreciate you saying that the success in, in evangelism is just doing it and failure is not doing it. I had a great moment in the replant that God allowed me to pastor of. It was one of my favorite moments as evidence of that. We, we would do these outreach events, these apartment complexes, and I would constantly talk to my congregation about the importance of evangelism and how to do it, what to do, and what to say, what to ask. And I had a 85-year-old lady Share the gospel for the first time in her entire life. And she was so disappointed that the person didn't accept. And I said, No. And we made the biggest deal out of it in church. We just like massive, like we celebrated it. I had her share the story. I mean, she was weeping. Probably she was nervous to be on stage a little bit, but just knowing that, like, that's a big deal. Like, especially if you've gone, been going to church your whole life, you're 85 years old and you're just now, I mean, let's celebrate. Let's celebrate that you're getting to do that. So what I just want to affirm that, that as, as our listeners are replanters and revitalizers, and they're trying to figure out, how do I get a culture of evangelism in the church? What would be your advice for, specifically in, in really, like, close to death, declining, small, there's not a lot of spiritual strength there, probably, because it's, it's need to be replanted? How do you begin to really cultivate a culture of everyday evangelism?
2: That is a great question. I went to Southeastern Seminary in Wake Forest, North Carolina, and when I went there, I went to a church, Union Chapel Baptist Church in Zebulon, and uh, went as youth and music pastor. I was there for about five years, and the pastor retired, and I ended up becoming the pastor. The church had begun declining and got to about 35 when I became the pastor. And this is my first pastor. So, I mean, you know, we're declining and you got a first pastor. And I just went to what I had been taught by my pastor, by the example. And here's here's the thing I want to say to to your, your pastor listeners and your replanters. Not every single person in your church are you going to be able to get to evangelize right off the bat. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know any church, no matter how size, large or small, not everybody's going to be buying in. And, and in my church, not everybody was. But I had two guys who said, "Pastor, I'm not good at any. I'm not good at doing all this stuff. But if you need me, I'll do it." And identify those people, even if they don't feel like they're good at evangelism, they, that will do whatever they need to support you. And start taking them with you. And that's what I did. And we went out and they just saw they they observed me sharing the gospel. Again, that's accountability for me. Mm-hmm. And because they saw me sharing the gospel, they were going with me, and then I would say, hey, why don't you do an entrance this time to a stranger? Or, hey, when we go visit this person that visits the church, why don't you start the conversation, then I'll get to the gospel. And we got to the point where they were sharing the gospel, and I said, okay, now, guys, now I need you to find somebody, and I'm going to do it. So it's that multiplication, yep, same good. strategy that, that you all are doing with replant. So I think part of that, number one, is replanters need to realize not every single person is going to do evangelism, and that's okay, and that's normal, and you're not a failure if you only have one or two other people doing it use them. Number two, if your people don't see and hear of you evangelizing, you will likely not see or hear them evangelizing. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't mean that you always need to talk about it and brag on yourself. I'm not talking about hearing it that way. But if if in your community, the barber or the, you know, the, the McDonald's worker or whatever, if you're not known for sharing the gospel in, you know, in a a real consistent way, then your people aren't going to be known for that. But as you do that, they're going to take on your personality. I mean, pastors, churches really reflect their pastors. And so I think... I think realizing those two things, number one, you've got to be a leader in evangelism. You, they're not going to go. They, some, be, there may be one or two in your church that will go beyond the evangelistic activity that you're doing. So they may have one or two, but the whole church as a whole is only going to go where you're going in evangelism. And understand that not everybody starts off anywhere, even in growing churches, not everybody's going to start doing evangelism
1: so great one of the the things that we know to be true having pastored churches and, and working with people in churches is they want they have a list mm-hmm. here's who I'd love to see come to know the Lord right and it might include the cashier it might include the, the waitress at the restaurant but there's some folks that are really close to them in those relational circles where they feel the tension of I want to communicate to them the reality of sin the reality of grace, and the surety of heaven, but I also don't want to lose this relationship. Mm-hmm. How do you help people who are in that position understand how do they navigate that?
2: Yeah, so I think, number one, and not to be too super spiritual, but we need to be led to the Spirit. We need to pray about it in those things. I'm going to give just an example of how I do it. And I want your listeners to know, those of you that are listening, it doesn't mean you need to do it this way. But this is something I found I found helpful for me in my friendships and my family relationships. If I've never shared the gospel with somebody before in my family that I love, that I say I love. What what I think the first step you do is you you need to repent. Mm. I mean, you know, how how can we really love them if we've not shared with them? You know, so there's a, there's a sense in which we need to repent, and then I think we go to that person and we say, or I've gone to the person and said, you know, John, I need to confess something to you. I've really done something against you that is really in the highest levels of of offense. And I need your forgiveness for something. Now, when they're thinking on their end, what are they thinking? <laughs> what did you do? Yeah, did, did you steal something? Did yeah. you, try, you know, you whatever. Did you with my
0: wife? Did, yeah, you, yeah, did you kill my dog?
2: Yeah, that's what they're thinking, right? But, but now, they're not going to think that you not sharing the gospel is big. But it really is a big thing. If yeah. the gospel really is true, it yeah. is a big thing. And so what you do is say, you know, I need to apologize to you. So you've their expectations are here. So what's going to happen is when you say to them, listen, I need to I have never taken the time to share with you the most important news that I think is on the face of this earth. Mm-hmm. That's going to low see see all the walls. That's going to lower walls. And they're going to say, what? that's what it is. So there's there's likely going to be an ability for you to say, you know what? We've never done this. And I need to be honest with you. I don't want this to affect our Just be honest. I don't want this to affect my relationship. But I feel really bad. God, is, God has really gotten on to me for this. I've gotten with God on this. And I need for my relationship with God. I know you don't believe in God. But with my relationship with God, I need to be able to say that I've told you this. May I do that. And I want just tell you, mo- most people are more willing to hear the gospel today than we are to share the gospel. Yeah, that's true. And so I think that's one way you can do it, is to try to lower those expectations, you know. If it's somebody you've already shared the gospel, a family member, but because they, you know, I don't want to hear that, I don't want to hear that again or whatever. You know, if it's been several years, you can just go back and say, you know what, I want you to know, I, I, hear, I heard you the last time we talked about this, but I don't want to make the assumption that maybe God's not done something in your life. And just say... Would it be okay if we had another conversation? If they say no, God knows your heart. You've already dealt with him. You're, you're responsible. You, there's no blood on your hands, as Paul said. Ezekiel he was told by God. If you've attempted and they still reject, you can't force it upon them. But just a simple question to, to see if you can take the, the conversation down the road.
0: One of the things I've noticed is sometimes people will say that they're doing evangelism. And just like you said, inviting people to church is not evangelism. The other thing I've seen is they'll fall short, really, of actually telling the gospel. And they'll say something like, I just want you to know that God loves you and he has a plan for your life, right? Mm-hmm. That's one that I've heard a lot. And you, you hear that and you're like, okay, well, which God? And what's the plan? And what does that mean? and what, what so, so when you go to a family member— or a guy on the street and he's got the cross shirt on and that conversation is given to you you know you don't have 30 minutes mm-hmm. to to go into all the things about propitiation and substitutionary atonement but how I many so just tell us the gospel like what is the gospel and how would you say it in a concise manner that someone could hear and receive
2: yeah so so generally whatever way i get to the gospel i generally say something like this and i just want everybody that's listening you don't need to memorize this. You can memorize it if you want to. But if you know enough of the gospel to be saved by it, then you know enough of the gospel to share it. Mm-hmm. So the, there'll be some salient truths, but you do it the way you feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. This is how I feel comfortable. I usually say something like, the Bible says that all of us, no matter who we are, we have disobeyed him. We're not as, I'll say, you know, I want you to know you're not as good as you think you are. Neither am I. And we're certainly not as good as our mothers think we are. You know, just to get a little humor.
1: That, that's yeah. well. I don't know about Jimbo's mom if she thinks he's that good. So. <laughs> well, I'll have to change my strategy with Jimbo. But he's an exception. Go ahead.
2: <laughs> that's right. But just to get a little levity there, and then I'll say, but in our thoughts and our speech and our actions, we've all disobeyed God, and God is up there. But God is not just distant and just kind of watching what's going on. Our failure to follow Him actually angers him. Mm. And we're not right with him. You know, it's not just, he's just kind of waiting for he's not happy with us. And that's his justice. And he rightfully is not happy with us. And in his justice, he is also loving. And he sent his son, Jesus, who was God in the flesh, fully God, fully man. And the Bible says the wage or the result of sin is death. If you sin, you're going to die. We sin, we die. So Jesus, who was perfect in God, who did not need to die because he was perfect, he took our sins upon him. He took the penalty for our sin. He was died. He was buried. And on the third day, he was raised from the dead. And if we'll turn away from trying to save ourselves or thinking we can do just good enough, if we'll turn away—that's repentance, by the way—turn away from that and put our faith in Jesus, then we can make bad right with God. Have you ever heard that before? Is that a decision that you're interested in? Maybe. Knowing more about to make or something. So, something like that. Now, some people are going to say, well, they don't know Jesus and they don't know. But here's the fact of the matter. Whenever Paul went in anywhere, we, we always like to talk about Acts 17 and how he went to the Areopagus and he knew all these gods. When he gets there and he's looking at these altars, he's not studying them to try to share the gospel. He's provoked, the Bible says. And so he starts off sharing Jesus and resurrection, and it's when the philosophers hear that and they don't understand it, then he opens up and gives the more worldview. So I think what we need to do is see how people respond to Jesus. Mm. And how they respond to Jesus will let us know what the Spirit is doing in them. And if they say no, okay, we can't be the Holy Spirit for them, or we can't force them in the Spirit. But I really think you'll never know how someone will respond to the gospel until you actually share the whole gospel.
1: I love what you said. If we know enough of the gospel to respond to salvate to salvation, the drawing work of, of God through the Holy Spirit, we also know enough of the gospel to be able to share it. That's right with our friends. Man, it's been great having you here yeah. on the boot camp and I know uh, we have been so blessed by being able to be a part of what is happening here at Southwestern with the D program and church revitalization. Just, I know you're not an official sponsor of our podcast. It seems like a, there's another Baptist podcast that's not another Baptist podcast. It seems to be that, that Southwestern sponsors uh, to some degree. But we'd love to just for you to, to share your heart for this school. And if there's a pastor that is thinking, man, I, I need some help and encouragement and equipping to deal with church replanting and revitalization. Why is Southwestern a great choice?
2: Thank you so much for that opportunity. And I just want to affirm what the North American Mission Board doing is doing and what your team is doing in helping churches replant, and be able to continue to have a gospel witness in places. I will just tell you that there are a number of us that are on faculty. I'm one. I told you I started off with 35 just being intentional in evangelism because of God's growth. We ended up, whenever I um, was called away, about four and a half years later, we were at 125, mm. uh, led the associations of baptism, all those kinds of things. And my story is just one of m- several in the faculty here that have, have actually done re- revitalization. Uh, another thing is we're very thankful for our our partnership with the North American Mission Board and having you all come. Uh, we have every intention on inviting you back. And so for those of you that are watching and you want to say, okay, uh, we've heard some practical things, but where, where does replanting have its way and its niche in academics? I I want you to know it has a place, and it has a place with Jimbo and Bob (laughs) teaching (laughs) adjunctively for us at Southwestern in these classes. And so... Pastor, let me just say out there, we, we want to help you in any way we can with either the Doctor ministry program or in other areas that you may need to be, be trained. Uh, if it's not necessary specifically revitalization, we have a number of different concentrations. And if you're interested in no- learning more, uh, you can go to uh, www.swbts.edu, and we'd love to uh, be able to connect with you there.
0: I got one last Southwestern question for you. I, this is only my second time on campus. I, I've noticed there are a lot of painted portraits around this place where's the dr Queen painted portrait <laughs> Is,
2: well there, there there's not one
1: number one
2: <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully you don't have to die in order to get or give yeah. a lot of money but you know <laughs> the faculty portraits that you've seen in the different schools generally those are for uh, full-time faculty that have retired with the seminary they have taught for I think about 25 years so these are people that have not just gone here and there and other where. these are people that have invested their lives and so we like to just honor their investment into the institution so
0: well, Dr. Queen, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for inviting us to be a part of a D-Men seminar. The boot camp went to college, and <laughs> it was pretty awesome. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Boot Camp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and sharing